You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, April 19th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball, FYI, Fires on Base, and more recently, Off the Bench Baseball, or my pop culture entertainment side of things at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse Play Disgusting, and more, and hopefully many more to come. Of this year, Lockdown Padres podcast, though, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and if you feel so inclined, only if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them, and maybe even answer them here on the show. Today's show, guys, is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. And boy, is today's episode a a big one. We got a lot to talk about, guys. Going to be recapping each game for each segment, each game this weekend against those pesky Los Angeles Dodgers. And full disclosure, I got my second shot recently. Got it actually yesterday. A uh, little tired right now, a little tired while I record this, so I'm going to try and keep that same energy with all of you guys, but if I, it seems like I'm starting to tail off, that might be why, that might be why, I'm very tired right now, but uh, with that being said, guys, let's just let's get right into it, and we're starting with Friday's game, which was phenomenal, and I, just to plug myself real quick, if you guys want to check out, I posted it on Twitter, I was actually on CBS 8 San Diego talking about the series on, on um. On the, on the on the news channel or whatever and it was it was cool and it was fun and I basically mentioned like this is what this was one of those series that heading into it everyone's like yeah 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 all right guys remember it's just one series you're still gonna play like 19 more times that's what's gonna happen and it's almost like like immediately once this game started it was like you know what screw it you know you know what's forget it let's be honest this series means a lot more right now because the first time the Padres and Dodgers are playing since a incredibly earth-shattering offseason that both teams had, especially the Padres. And game one of this did not disappoint whatsoever. And do not be fooled by the final score. The Dodgers ended up winning this one 11-6. Starting pitcher for the Padres was Ryan Weathers, who was great who really filled in considering he had to be a, it was a bullpen day for the team. He goes three and two thirds innings, only giving up one hit, only giving up one hit, walking two and striking out three across 79 pitches. He got the damn thing done, man. Let me tell you, he was solid. He looked good. He looked effective. He looked pumped too at some points. He just looked like he was a gamer. And that's what they said happened over the course of spring training. They wanted to see him work through things, work out of troublesome situations and master his control a little bit more. Uh, Weathers, Having a very, very solid last like four months for him, I guess. Or not four months, but like last like month and a half has been really good for him, making the team and everything. So shout out to Ryan Weathers. He had a pretty good start. Um and for the Dodgers, it was Walker Bueller who ends up going six innings, giving up two runs on seven hits, walking one, striking out four. He was solid. He was solid. I think Walker Bueller is incredibly good. I don't think he's always in the S tier of pitchers, but he's very, very good when he's got it rolling. And tonight he was you know, 
fine. I think he was fine, and I think that the Padres hitters once again ended up leaving a, a couple guys in scoring position. We're going to get to that in a second. Let's talk about all the biggest highlights of this game because it starts basically in the bottom of the second, which saw Machado getting a single and then stealing second base. Uh, yes, Mr. Manny Machado, Mr. No Hustle, uh, stealing a base. Uh, he was great there. Hosmer struck out. Myers lines out. Profar walks. And then Luis Campizano, who's been struggling a lot. I talked about on the show that he clearly looks like a guy that isn't totally ready yet, and that's okay uh, in terms of his offensive output, you know what I mean? But then it's also the other issue is doesn't seem to be on the right page uh, with other pitchers for the Padres right now, including Blake Snell, who only he didn't even make it through an inning the last time those two were uh, the combo behind the plate. So that's that just goes to show you he's not quite ready yet. And also keep in mind, it's okay. He's still got plenty of Time to develop. He's never played much above A-ball. And it's only because Austin Hill is hurt, who I don't even know when he's coming back. I swear. Don't you guys remember when it was supposed to be that Austin Hill had a chance at returning? Not on opening day, but the day after. Remember that? I don't know if I'm the only one who's imagining that report right now, but classic Padres, right? Uh, He gets a single here, allowing one run to score, uh, which was cool. And then, of course, Ryan Weathers has to bat, so he flies out, which, great. Lovely, right? Um, And then... Basically, uh, you know, bottom top five, Luke Rayleigh homers, which was unfortunate, such a random home run. But the real highlight of the game, and I even think Dodgers fans would agree. I, I, I'm I, being so serious. I think even Dodgers fans would agree on this. Bottom five, after Trey Grisham flies out, Fernando Tatis Jr., welcome back, my friend. Welcome back. After the 10-day IL stint. In the air to center field. Taylor going back. And Nando's left the building. Fernando Tatis Jr. returns to the Padres lineup and lifts it out of the yard. 2-1 Padres. Absolutely hits a bomb to deep center. Home run. El Nino returning. It was great. And I loved seeing his excitement. You can tell it was just more than just a home run, man. It was so cool to see him back and... It was cool to see him healthy and stuff. He made a couple of errors over the course of this series, um, and in tonight's game especially, where uh, uh, Tatis, after diving to stop a ball from getting out of the infield, tries to make a play at second base that really wasn't there uh, and basically was kind of a throwing error. Um, and that actually happens at the top of the sixth, the very next inning after Tatis is homer. So very up-and-down season for him, like incredibly up-and-down season for him so far. Uh, but I'm not worried about it. I am worried about the defense a little bit, and I talked about this back in like like two weeks ago when he made like what was it five errors in like six games and I was a little bit worried about that considering he was so stellar defensively last year so I was a little worried about that not worried about the bat that will come in your time but still unfortunate and basically for the rest of the game you know once again we have Profari grounding into double plays like it's there was a lot of issues in this game still with the Padres not bringing guys in when it was uh, when it came to guys um, landing on base but even in the bottom seventh, Zach McKinstry has a throwing error that allows people to score. Profar actually ends up doubling at some point uh, to drive in Manny Machado, Will Byers. Justin Turner gets a hit, unfortunately. I don't really care for Justin Turner all that much, so that was unfortunate. Uh, Hosmer in the bottom of the ninth. Bottom of the ninth. Two outs. Their last pitch, two strikes. He singles to center, allowing Manny Machado to score. And what a crazy at-bat. By the way, yes, again, with the whole Manny Machado not hustling thing. 
uh, he apparently he tweaks something on a swing in the bottom of the ninth inning. He ends up getting a walk, but at first base, you can tell they have to pause the game just a tiny bit for a little bit. He's like, you know, wincing in pain, it looks like. And then he steals second base. And I was watching with my mom, and she's just like, oh, he, he was faking it. He tried to fake him out. He was pretending to, to have some sort of injury so he could steal second base. And if that's true, that's just gangster from my guy Machado. Um, but it was great to see. Two steals in the game for Machado, and then he advances to third on a wild pitch, just absolutely earning every single ounce of what ends up happening at next, which is Hosmer um, singling to right center, allowing him to score. And then for the next bunch of innings, we do the extra innings rule. And let me just say, for the record, I am pro extra innings rule. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I like it. I think that there's 162 games in the season and that it's okay if we have something that maybe makes it that games don't last too too long it helps save bullpen arms potentially i just i genuinely don't mind it if you're so mad about the extra innings rule well that's the whole point it's a tie right now you know like it's a tie so it's your fault for not having scored enough or not allowing the the team to not score whatever it is so your punishment is you have to play this kind of sudden death sort of matchup and at least it's kind of it just makes the game it's like dumb fun you know that's the way i view it and i don't mind the extra innings rule and you can tell I've, I'd be pretty objective about it because the Padres end up losing this game. We have multiple instances where got key guys strike out in major situations. Tatis strikes out looking on a Dennis Santana curveball that was uh, so infuriating to watch that one. And then later on, Will Myers strikes out looking. Uh, Eric Hosmer strikes out looking uh, when we had guys on base. And then... The game explodes. Like I said, 11-6 doesn't really tell the whole story. Uh, Tim Hill was pumped after getting us out of the jam in the top of the 11th, but then they don't do anything bottom 11. Then top of the 12th inning, he kind of implodes. Corey Seager homering on like one of the first pitches that he throws um, to right center. McKinstry ends up singling. There's a ton of runs end up coming in. It was unfortunate. Even David Price uh, hit a sacrifice fly to left, uh, which was 40. But Jake Cronengod actually had to come in the game to pitch. And he actually gets a strikeout of Mookie Betts, which was incredible. You see, even in the loss, even the last inning, uh, incredible stuff from this game. Uh, I've talked about this game a lot already, but I'm going to keep talking about it. I just want to say it really was a playoff game. It felt like the game one of the National League Championship Series. It really, really, really did. The intensity, you could just tell. You know, when guys are running around base, when Manny Machado scored from third, in the bottom line to tie up the game, you can tell the hype was there. When Jerkson Profar hits that RBI to bring guys in, that you see everybody waving each other home. Like There was genuine hype in the air, and that's good. And I'm not with the Dodgers fans or whoever. And granted, this is just Twitter and internet discourse, and you guys know that it is sometimes just a vocal minority when it comes to these sort of things. But uh, a lot of people, oh, the Padres, they're acting like this is, you know, game one of the World Series. It's like, guys, how about we all just embrace the fact that this is fun? It is objectively fun. This might be a Yankees-Red Sox-type rivalry. It was absolutely mad, and I had a blast. I know that the Padres lost this one, but just in terms of the intensity. And then you also you also have, at one point, Jorge Mateo. And shout-out to Don Arcillo, by the way. If you guys didn't hear his call on this play, please go check that out. It was hilarious. Uh, Mateo gets hit by a Santana um, pitch in these extra innings, and... The way I saw it, I don't think it was intentional. I don't understand why anyone on the Dodgers should be throwing something intentionally at somebody. I can understand why Joe Kelly might do it, because Joe Kelly, that's apparently the only thing he's good at, is hitting people with baseballs. But Santana, I was like, I don't see anything in this. He did a little, like, Mwah, at him almost. Like, like that's kind of like the gesture he made with his mouth towards Mateo, which might have started a little bit of something. 
I guess. But I think, and I also think for the Dodger fans, um, I think Mateo is genuinely just a little upset because he's been having a tough week. He got hit twice in the Pirates game, so he's just like, "Oh my God, how many pitches am I going to get hit by? What is going on?" So that's kind of how I took it. But it was hilarious hearing Dodarsilla just go like, "Oh, and now they're going to talk, and now they're going to fight." Like it's like, no, they're not. But he was, it was so clear. He's trying to make everything exciting. Uh, I saw him tweet about it on Twitter, so that was great. But excitement really does sum up this game. And trust me, guys, I was upset by the loss. Especially since your boy on the East Coast had to stay up until like 3 in order to witness all of it. But it was still... It's game one. It's game one, and I would have said this regardless. It is just one series. But man, that hype, and especially the Tatis homer, there's still a lot to take away from that game. But man, I I don't know what else to say, guys. I do not know what else to say. So instead, I'm going to stop talking about that game right now, guys, and talk to you about 1010. That's right, 1010. No, not the character from my beloved Naruto. A capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced with limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. Whatever whatever, whatever floats your boat. They're the perfect way to bring light into the person's life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and fairly priced, by the way. So you can give uh, them something truly special and meaningful. When I looked at them, uh, Michelle Fantacci's ring stood out as the one that I feel like I'd buy as a gift. I, I mean, all the ones that I've looked at are pretty cool so far. It's it's a nice conversation piece, like I said. So check that out. I like uh, Michelle Fantacci's one was really cool. Uh, so if you're on the hunt, guys, for the perfect, unique ring that your special someone will treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. And now, guys, real quickly, bet online. <laughs> What was that? Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You guys know about betonline.ag. Come on now. We just had the craziest week weekend of baseball uh, for the Padres this season. I mean, come on. You, you want to bet on those games to make it even crazier? I wouldn't do it, but you can do that. And of course, the NHL are, and uh, the NBA are still in a full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way that's right the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that's right how rad is that remember to use the promo code locked on bet online your online sportsbook experts and one last thing, guys, the Locked On Podcast Network, they're covering the NFL draft from all angles. That right, that's right, it's this week. And usually I don't care about the NFL draft, but I actually kind of care about it this year. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL draft coverage. And now, guys, let's talk about the next game. I could talk about game one. On Friday forever, just how tired I was and watching this whole game. I'm watching with my mom, who, by the way, can confirm to all the Fire Faithful Hobies out there because of me mostly, but uh, she hates the Dodgers now. She's convinced that Santana hit Mateo on purpose. She's like, screw the Dodgers. She's all in on it. All in on, on Dodger hate. And she actually hits the Dodgers probably more than me. Actually, not even probably, just definitely does. So, Fire Faithful Homies, 
We got her. Don't worry. She's 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 one of us now, I guess you could say. Um, but let's get into the second game. Another loss for the Padres, unfortunately, two nothing to the Dodgers. It was a real pitchers duel of the opposite kind of a Friday night's game. And I think that that was a cool thing. This was the game that the Padres were most likely to win, they say, out of the three of the series. Of course, they didn't. But it was the one that, in a way, I was the most excited for because it was just going to be great pitching. It was Clayton Kershaw versus you, Darvish. Kershaw in the game, he goes six innings, giving up no runs, only two hits. Only two hits, walking two, striking out eight. So one of his better starts uh, on the year, I'd say. I mean, he'd been he'd been solid before. I mean, he's Clayton Kershaw. He had that rough one uh, to start things off April 1st against the Rockies. But, hey, he's known for blowing up against the Rockies at Colorado. Like, it happens. Honestly, every pitcher blows up at Colorado sometimes. So that's what happens. Um, but he was really good in this one, straight up. Like, he was really good. Um, I thought he looked solid. There were a couple weird strike calls. That's one thing I will say. The umpiring in this series throughout the weekend wasn't very good. However, I'm not going to pull the Padres fan thing. I know you guys might want me to, but I actually thought it was bad on both sides. And in Sunday's game, there were some weird calls that Craig Stammen got, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But in my opinion, just not the best umpiring all around in the strike zone. But, you know, I guess it happens. And then on the Padres side of thing, you Darvish, he has his best start of the year, going seven innings, giving up one earned run on one hit, walking two, and striking out nine which is still excellent, which is still excellent. I actually think that at times he looked better than Clayton Kershaw, at times. I know that the final stat line doesn't suggest it because he obviously gave up the run, but it was it was weird that he ended up walking in Clayton Kershaw with the, the bases loaded and then Mookie Betts flied out. I was like, oh my God, if you couldn't get Kershaw out, Mookie Betts might blow this game open. That didn't happen, of course. He ends up being the hero of this game later, and we'll get into that. Um, Pierce Johnson does okay. Emilio Pagan gives up a solo shot by Justin Turner to make the score 2 nothing, And then, really, the play of the game happens. The play of the game happens. You know, bottom nine, we get Myers. He manages to get a single, uh, and then he ends up going to second on a wild pitch. Jerickson Profar gets a walk. Cronenworth grounds out to first. Also, by the way, Machado struck out, which is was a very unfortunate way to start off the inning. Uh, Cronenworth grounds out, having runners on second and third. Tommy Pham who we've been ridiculing and hating all season long for the most part. He gets the bat on the ball, and Mookie Betts makes probably the best catch of the year so far. Maybe there's another one. I mean, actually, there was a lot of crazy catches this weekend, by the way. I don't know if anybody saw the, I think it was the Barlett's first baseman, where he, trying to get the ball, scoop it out of the ground, he, he lost the ball and then grabbed it with his hand. It was a very weird play, and then also Marcus Stroman just yesterday uh, had a ta- uh, chopper back to the mound, and then he went backwards behind his back to get the ball. That was pretty nuts, too, but just in general, probably one of the most important catches of the year. And it keeps happening to the Padres, unfortunately. Fam trying to break out of a slump, and Betts makes the catch. I was watching some tweets. Sarah Langs uh, tweeted on Twitter saying that it had 10% catch probability, which is just... Hey, it's Mookie Betts. And if you guys want to be mad at someone, honestly, don't be mad at the Dodgers in this situation because, like I said, they were like, okay, cool, we'll take your best player. Be mad at the Red Sox. That's right. My Boston hatred still runs deep, and I still have reasons to hate them. They literally lose their best player, and it ends up affecting me still. Uh, It's just, yeah, keep hating on the Red Sox. The Red Sox, by the way, who are 10-5 and and leading their division, um, looking really good in the early going in terms of their offense. I don't know if their pitching is going to keep up, but it's not totally surprising to me that like J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Verdugo, who looks really good. Like It's not surprising to me that their offense is good, but the pitching's not so much. But this isn't locked on Red Sox, guys. Go listen to Gabriel Starr's podcast for all that insight. Um, it was unfortunate, and fam, 
had some bad moments in this game. Just in terms of everyone knows you really need a hit, and he ends up getting no hits and four at-bats uh, in this game, striking out twice. And while it looked like he was about to have his first Padres moment, but Betts stole it from him. And after this game, actually not after this game, I'd say after night one more so, but there was a point in this game after like the second strikeout when I was convinced, Like I mean, Padres Twitter was literally being like, DFA him immediately. <laughs> like that. That's kind of what it was. Uh, that's what it got to. That's what it got to. So, like I said, very unfortunate. But I'm still optimistic, and I'm still optimistic even after this game. I mean, the Padres are right there, and they're batting exorbitantly low, if that's even the correct uh, word to use in this situation. Uh, when it comes to runners in scoring position this season, they're drawing walks. Even Tommy Pham is able to draw walks. But I actually saw that um, entering Sunday's game, which we're going to talk about in one second. Pham had a BABIP of 154 which was the fourth lowest lowest in the majors. And that's pretty remarkable. And I'm going to save some of my Tommy Pham thoughts uh, more so for the last game that we're going to recap. And before we recap that game, though, I need to once again talk to you guys about the greatest and best tasting and most fantastical protein bar in existence. That's right, guys. It is the Built Bar, soft and easy to chew, covered in 100% chocolate. My favorite part, though, incredible variety of flavors. Coconut brownie chunk, double chocolate, caramel brownie, apple almond crisp, birthday cake, carrot cake, almond, lemon almond cheesecake, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, silver caramel, cherry bar, seal, cookies, and curb. <gasps> That's right, I ran out of breath saying how many flavors there are. And even if those flavors don't sound particularly good, trust me, the Bilt Bar versions are good. I don't usually like mint brownie stuff, but the mint brownie flavor I loved. And of course, like I said, they're protein bars, which means they're great for the health-conscious guy or gal. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat, guys. They are high-fiber, high-protein, low-sugar, and a low amount of calories. They're great for the keto diet. So what are you waiting for guys these things are awesome go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your next order remember that is promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com all right guys and one last thing today through the 26th listen to the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by locked on and odyssey featuring analysis from nfl experts michael irvin jason lincanfora and brian ballinger our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Guys, be sure to check that out. And now, let's talk about the last game. The last game, Sunday's game, the only Padres W of the weekend guys let's talk about it now the Padres won by a score of five to two over those pesky Dodgers the starter for today's game is Blake Snell and he looked very Blake Snell-y sometimes bad sometimes quite good but the final stat line suggests he was yeah usually just classic Blake Snell he goes five innings giving up two runs on two hits walking two and striking at seven he ends up getting into some trouble early on after working like through a 1-2-3 inning, looking really good at the beginning, uh, striking out Justin Turner, grounding out Mookie Betts and Corey Seager. But then Will Smith, the catcher, gets a single, and then Chris Taylor, like one of the first pitches, homers to left center. Chris Taylor, I'm telling you, it's Mookie Betts and Chris Taylor for me. And Justin Turner, too, to a degree. But it's it's just ridiculous. Like Chris Taylor and you know Jeff Snyder was on this podcast, and oh, I don't know why he tried to hit me with like a gotcha on Twitter. 
where he called Justin uh, AJ Chris Taylor probably like a top forty player, and I was like, oh, I think that's a little bit high. He's like, oh, I don't know, I could show you some numbers, and then he hopped on and showed me like war. I'm like, all right, congratulations, buddy, you showed me war. <laughs> like, wow, that was a real deep cut of a stat. Yes, there's definitely, I, I definitely wouldn't take. 60 players over Chris Taylor. But anyway, anyway, I don't know. It's just the Dodger fans overrate Chris Taylor sometimes. But still, he is a fearsome bat for sure. Um, and that was really the only mistake, though, for Blake Snell um, on, on the day. He ended up, of course, being inefficient, unfortunately, only going five innings, uh, 95 pitches in total. But he did look better. He did look sharper than his last start. So that was still good. And bottom line is with the Padres' bullpen, as good as it is, that should be enough usually. And then for the Dodgers side of things, it was Trevor Bauer who, before the series uh, started on Friday, I expected that if there was going to be any like heated moments or whatever, that it might come in Friday's game just at some point and in the Trevor Bauer start because Trevor Bauer, as we all know, however you feel about him, I personally don't like him. He definitely subscribes to the belief that any publicity is good publicity, so I was expecting him to be really fiery at all that, and he was to a degree. He strikes out um, Tatis after a long at-bat, and this game pumps himself up because he gets out of the inning, which I don't mind. Yes, guys, when it comes to having fun at baseball, the, p- the pitchers are allowed to have fun too, but... Uh, in this game, Trevor Bauer, it wasn't. A, it was actually the most calm game of the weekend. Uh, Trevor Bauer, by the way, he goes six innings, only giving up one run on three hits, walking one, and striking out seven. He looked sharp. He really did. Curveball was working. And while there was a couple lenient moments with the strike zone, especially some pitches on the outside part of the plate, uh, still, bottom line is he looked good. And like I said, I don't like Trevor Bauer, but I do think he's going to be pretty solid for this team. Maybe he won't replicate what he did last year. Actually, I'm sure he won't replicate what he did last year. But if he's just a decent starter, if he's like a top 20 starter, that's all the Dodgers want. You know, like, that's all they want. They're deep enough for it not to matter too much. This isn't like the Yankees who need starters to carry them and whatnot. You know, the Yankees, by the way, 5-10 and ten start. Ooh, bad start for them. But, you know, I do sometimes think people's hatred for Bauer and his politics and his personal opinions and whatnot, while deserved, I think, the, the hate and uh, controversy, uh, it kind of lets them cloud their judgment when it comes to whether or not he's going to be a good pitcher. And I think he's actually going to have a pretty good season. Um, nothing insanely elite today. But he was still pretty solid. He ends up giving a home run up to Jake Cronenworth, the Cronin God, having a great friggin' uh, weekend, man. Just because of the the hits, not only just the hits, but also having to pitch uh, in that Friday night game and all that. That was really fun. Um, Jake Cronenworth has struck out only seven times in 77 plate appearances on the year. And that ranks, uh, it's, that's a rate of once every 11 times. And that ranks ninth in the majors. However, he's been striking out more recently, probably because it's regression back to the mean with him. I mean, he—I mean, his whiff rate, which is what people have been talking about so much, he's just not missing at all. So I'm expecting if there's going to be a slump for Jake Cronenworth, you know, with this Milwaukee series coming up, wouldn't be too surprised if it starts happening. If he starts just calming down a little bit with his batting average. I mean, he's—he's already—he's been unbelievable this season. Batting 313. So yeah, I would I would expect if there's going to be time for that batting average to come down, maybe that might be this week. So for all my weekly fancy players maybe be careful of that I don't know what I'm saying right now but anyway uh it's funny because I also forgot to mention by the way speaking of this Bauer and how I expected his start to be the one that drew all the ire and the the sparks and would fly and all that I keep saying sparks fly by the way I'm sorry I just can't think of another phrase off the top of my head right now um Jerkson Profar and Clinton Kershaw got into it on Saturday's game I totally forgot to mention that and I'm gonna do a little Dodger loving for a little bit not Dodger loving but Dodger defending let's say that never Dodger loving Dodger defending and that's Clayton Kershaw, so basically what happened was Profar basically drew a catcher's interference. The guy had the glove pulled out, and and then it looks like Profar kind of extended his 
his swing backwards. I don't know what the right terminology is. And then interfered the catcher's interference. He got that call. And then Kershaw was just livid. I mean, he was losing his mind. He was like, that's a BS. That's a bullshit call or whatever. Uh, you said that's a, that's a bullshit swing is what he said, right? And then Profar hilariously said, shut the F up. <laughs> it made me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it made me laugh. They're jawing at each other. That was a whole thing. Look. I actually think Kershaw's on the right here. Also, this isn't a guy who's known for blowing up and starting starting beef with other players, really. You know what I mean? So I'm, I actually think that Kershaw was on the right here. But I did really think that it was funny seeing Jerks and Profar chat back at him. I thought it was funny. I think Kershaw was right that that was a really... It, it was a cheese ball play by Jerks and Profar, in my opinion. Look, I know we love doing the Dodger hating, but it was a cheese ball play. It really was. And, and you know, he earned the base. It was a correct call. But it was a cheese ball way for Jerks and Profar to draw that catcher's interference. At least that's in my opinion. Um, so shout out to that. Just like I said, crazy uh, series all weekend long. The rivalry is clearly real uh, in terms of just the entertainment factor and these two teams really being super competitive and whatnot. And before any Dodger fans get up in my mentions and be like, it's not a real rivalry. The Padres are never one thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just like these two teams right now. Clearly, there's a lot of high stakes competition. So it is a rivalry. Shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, stop it. Um, but let's get back into kind of rounding out and discussing this game, which really for most of the game looked kind of miserable. The Padres were once again just not scoring a lot of runs, not being able to contribute when it mattered most with runners on base. But then bottom seven, uh, one of the biggest hits of the game, Eric Hosmer, who I've been critical about on the show, not as much this season. He continues being very effective this year in the clutch. Uh, Machado gets a single and then makes it to second base. Again, a lot of movement on the base paths for Machado this weekend. Um, Hosmer doubles to left and is able to score Manny Machado. Unfortunately, then Tommy Pham strikes out, which drew the ire again on Padres Twitter. Will Myers ends up pinch hitting. He doesn't play in this game. Uh, Trent Grisham also, uh, I should have mentioned before, uh, he was not batting in this game. Um, because apparently he was scratched from the lineup ahead of uh, Sunday's game with left quadriceps tightness, which is interesting. Um, Kevin AC reported that he tweaked his quad at some point before the end of Saturday's game. Um, just, you know, it might be one of those things that's kind of, you know, from the spring training injury. Maybe it's just a little bit unsafe there. I hope this isn't too much, too big of a deal uh, and that he's going to be kept out of the lineup for much longer because he's been awesome so far. And it's been great to have him back. So hopefully he's not out for too much longer. But like I said, nothing ends up happening there. Um, and then bottom eight is where the fun happens. Jerks and Profar, it starts off with a Corey Seager error. That's right. Their shortstop can make errors too, not just our own and Tatis. Um, Profar makes it, and then Tatis, in a really strong at-bat, is able to draw a walk. Machado pops out, and then Hosmer again. Eric Hosmer singles to center, driving in Jerks and Profar, bringing Tatis to third, who almost gets tagged out, by the way. Almost gets tagged out uh, after slipping off the base. They initially call them out, but on further review, thank God. See, even when it comes to routinely running around the bases, <laughs> uh, Tatis makes things exciting. He ends up being called safe. Hosmer steals second, second and third. And then, finally, Tommy Pham remembered how to hit. He drives in a double, which brings in both Tatis and Eric Hosmer. Thank the Lord he finally remembered how to hit. And let me just say, when it comes to uh, Tommy Pham, and then Mark Melanson ends up getting brought into the game. Everybody goes down one, two, three. He gets the save. Padres win. It was a big, nice win to recover and salvage a weekend that had a lot of heartbreaking losses. But yeah, Tommy Pham, look, I mentioned before his BABIP extraordinarily low. 
in a way, we should expect him to bat at least better. How much better is a different question because I've actually thought a lot of his at-bats haven't looked great. I think that when he's made contact, it's been kind of weak. And I think the issue is it's not like this is a slugger home run guy. This is a guy who I thought might only hit like 14 home runs this year. Something like that. You know what I mean? He probably might hit under 20. The power might not be there. But I was expecting like a 280-360 type of slash line in terms of batting average on base. And for your contact hitter to be struggling like this, that it was just a little concerning. Granted, like I said, it really is still early. But in terms of just me personally and me defending him on the podcast, it got a little bit rough there uh, trying to defend him. But that was he needed that. He really did. And we're going to need him because we're playing the Brewers next. And the Brewers pitching this year, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, I mean, those two guys are awesome, and especially Corbin Burns this year to me, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast already, to me he's this year's Shane Bieber, and I mean that in the sense of Shane Bieber last year, heading into last year, like, I'm going to use fantasy uh, baseball drafting as a as a my analysis here, Just but stick with me, stick with me. Where Shane Bieber last year, you head into your fantasy draft, and you're like, really? He's really ranked this high? I mean, I know he's good, but are we sure, like, are we sure he's legit, or was it just a, a fluky season? And then after, like, two starts... Everybody's like, no, every single person in the world was trying to tell you, no, this guy's totally legit. All the numbers support it. And then he was awesome. Then he wins the Cy Young. Corbin Burns reminds me of that. He's like, he doesn't have the name yet in Milwaukee. He doesn't have the celebrity. He doesn't have the fame almost yet. But everyone who knows baseball and is talking about baseball, analyzing baseball preseason is like, no, this guy's stuff is filthy. And he could absolutely be great. And this is this is the award I come up with with pitchers. It's the, yeah, we probably shouldn't have overthought this. Uh, thing with breakouts. Uh, that's that's the award. Yeah, we should have overthought this with Corbin Burns. So I'm terrified of him. And Brandon Woodruff is really good. Good bullpen. Not great hitting. So expect, hopefully, Joe Musgrove gets the start tonight. Hopefully he can have a good game and limit that offense. Like, it's a very kind of imbalanced team with that offense. Yelich has been a little bit weird so far. Uh, not doing too much, although I'm expecting a bounce-back season from him. Um, so really fun series, I think, upcoming. Uh, and the game is at 10 o'clock tonight. So hopefully I can stay alive for most of it. But if I don't, don't worry, guys. You'll still get a podcast tomorrow for sure. And that's really it. I've already talked way too much, so I'm just going to end it there. Just my thoughts, stream of concepts about this first Dodgers series. Cannot wait for the next series upcoming this Sunday. I think it was baloney that ESPN didn't have uh, this last game on the Sunday night slate. They will have, of course, unfortunately, the Dodgers Stadium version of this series, uh, the Game 3 that's on Sunday. They'll have that one on Sunday Night Baseball, but they wouldn't have the one at Petco. Of course not. Of course they wouldn't. Of course they wouldn't do it, but that should be a lot of fun uh, for sure. I think it's dumb that baseball didn't put the first meetup between these two on Sunday night, but whatever. Bottom line, very exciting. Can't wait to talk about this team more, guys. And remember, first of many, they win this round. In all the movies, all the, all the big action movies or whatever, in my beloved anime with my lovable Monkey D. Luffy and the Straw Hat Pirates, they always end up losing the first round. They always get their butts kicked at the beginning. And then at the end, the hero pulls through. So with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. A chunky boy uh, edition of today's podcast, I might say, guys. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Uh, and also send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app if you don't mind. Remember to follow the show or myself on Twitter. That's at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And, of course, at L-O underscore Padres. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.